0: chapter eleven of the life of kit carson by edward s ellis this LibriVox recording is in the public domain the day was drawing to a close when carson set out for camp which was not reached until after dark his companions did not feel any special alarm over his continued absence for the good reason that they were confident he could take care of himself no matter in what labyrinth of peril he might become involved It was too late to send for the carcass of the elk, and more than likely it had already been devoured by wolves. So the trappers made their breakfast on one of the beavers found in their traps, and went into camp to await the arrival of the main body of trappers, which Carson was confident would come that way. Some days later they put in an appearance, and the company proceeded to the general rendezvous on Green River, where were found assembled the principal trappers of the Rocky Mountains. There were fully two hundred divided into two camps what a history could have been written from the thrilling experiences of such a body of men they had gathered at the rendezvous to buy what supplies they needed and to dispose of their peltries it was several weeks before the negotiations were over when the assemblage broke up into smaller companies which started for their destinations hundreds of miles apart carson joined a party numbering about fifty who intended to trap near the headwaters of the missouri hundreds of beavers had been taken in that section but poor success went with the large band of which carson was a member that was bad enough but they were in a neighborhood which it may be said was the very heart of the blackfoot country and those hostiles were never more active and vigilant in their warfare against the invaders The Blackfeet, or Satsitska today, are the most westerly tribe of the Algonquin family of Indians, extending from the Hudson Bay to the Missouri and Yellowstone. They number over 12,000 warriors, about equally divided between Montana and British America. They have always been a daring and warlike people, and the early explorers of the Far West probably met with more trouble from them than from any other tribe on the continent. Carson and his companions ran in difficulty at once. The Blackfeet seemed to swarm through the woods, and sent in their treacherous shots from the most unexpected quarters. Whoever made the round of the traps in the morning was almost certain to be fired upon. Matters became so bad that after a time the trappers decided to leave the country. Accordingly, they made their way to the Big Snake River, where they went into quarters for the winter even there they were not safe from molestation at the hands of their old enemies the Blackfeet. one night when there was no moon or stars a band of warriors stole into camp and ran off about twenty of the best horses this outrage touched the hunters in the most sensitive part of their nature and the truth no sooner became known than they unanimously agreed that the animals not only should be recovered but the audacious aggressors should be chastised Twelve men were selected for the most difficult and dangerous task, and need we give the name of the youth who was made the leader? With his usual promptness, Carson took the trail, which was followed without trouble over the snow. The Blackfeet had reason to fear some such demonstration, and they hurried off with such speed that they were not overtaken until fifty miles from camp. The situation was a novel one. THE INDIANS HAD COME TO A HALT, AND THE HORSES WERE GRAZING ON THE SIDE OF A HILL WHERE THE WIND HAD BLOWN AWAY THE SNOW. THE BLACKFEET HAD ON SNOWSHOES, WHICH GAVE THEM AN ADVANTAGE OVER THE TRAPPERS. THE LATTER GALLOPED IN THE DIRECTION OF THEIR HORSES THE MOMENT THEY CAUGHT SIGHT OF THEM. THE BLACKFEET FIRED AT THE TRAPPERS, WHO RETURNED A SCATTERING VOLLEY, BUT NO ONE WAS HEARD ON EITHER SIDE, THEN FOLLOWED SKIRMISHING AND MANEUVERING FOR SEVERAL MINUTES without either party gaining advantage finally the Blackfeet asked for a parley to which the trappers assented in accordance with the usual custom one of the indians advanced to a point midway between the two parties and halted at the same time one of the trappers went forward the rest of the whites and red men keeping their distance and watching them THE BLACKFOOT OPENED BUSINESS BY WHAT MIGHT BE TERMED AN APOLOGY, WHICH WAS NO MORE GENUINE THAN MANY MADE BY HIS CIVILIZED BRETHREN UNDER SOMEWHAT SIMILAR CIRCUMSTANCES. HE EXPRESSED GREAT SURPRISE TO LEARN THAT THE HORSES BELONGED TO THEIR GOOD FRIENDS THE TRAPPERS. THEY HAD SUPPOSED ALL ALONG THAT THEY WERE THE PROPERTY OF THE SNAKE INDIANS, WHOM THE BLACKFEET CONSIDERED IT THEIR DUTY TO DESPOIL ON EVERY SUITABLE OCCASION. This glaring misrepresentation did not deceive the man who was acting as spokesman for his side. By way of reply, he asked that if such was the case, why had not the Blackfeet come forward on discovering their mistake, greeted their white brothers as friends, and returned their property to them? The replies were evasive, and the hunters became convinced that the Indians were seeking to gain time for some sinister purpose. But a full parley having been agreed upon, both parties left their guns behind, and advanced to where the representatives were holding their interview. The Blackfeet still professed the most ardent friendship, and as an emphatic token of the same, produced the calumet, and began smoking the pipe of peace. The tobacco having been lit, each took several whiffs, and then passed it to his neighbor, who did the same until the round was completed. This solemn pledge of goodwill, having been exchanged, The Convention, or Peace Congress, was opened, as it may be said, in due and ancient form. Carson and his companions were distrustful from the start, though it was hard for them to decide the meaning of the prolonged negotiations, since no one could see what the Blackfeet were to gain by such a course. They may have hoped to deceive the hunters and throw them off their guard, but, if such was the case, they failed first of all the leading warriors indulged in several long speeches which were without point but what was said in reply could admit of no doubt as to its meaning the trappers understood the blackfoot tongue well enough to make their responses models in the way of brevity and force they said that it was idle to talk of friendship or peace until the stolen property was returned to its owners the indians still attempted to postpone or evade but the complainants were in no mood for trifling and they repeated their declaration more positively than before. The blackfeet were much more numerous than the whites and confident of their strength began to bluster and to assert that whatever they did would be dictated by their own wishes and not by any fear of their visitors. Whether they desired to avoid a fight or not can only be conjectured. But they finally sent back to where the horses were tethered, and caused five of the worst to be picked out and brought forward. When the trappers inquired the meaning of this proceeding, the Indians said that it was the best they could do, and the hunters must be content. This last insult was the spark which exploded the magazine. Instantly, every white man ran for his gun, and the Blackfeet did the same. A few seconds after, they wheeled about, and the sanguinary fight began kit carson and a companion were the first to obtain their guns and as a consequence they led the advance each selected a warrior who was partially hidden by the trunk of a tree carson was in the act of firing when he observed that his friend was examining the lock of his gun all unmindful of the fact that one of the Blackfeet had leveled his weapon directly at his breast on the instant kit changed his aim and shot the savage dead thereby saving the life of his friend who could not have escaped, had the weapon of his adversary been discharged. End of chapter 11